Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast, the show, the number one place to get news, information, and reflection on game development and the lifestyle of game developers. My name is Larry Charles. I am one half of the team that brings this podcast, and the other half, sitting to my right, he's up 24 hours a day getting better at Dota Underworld so that we don't have a bad showing next time we do Backseat Gamer, Mr. Brandon Fam. Entirely not sure that uh. Brandon Fam <laughs> have not touched this game since... Uh, welcome to the 200th episode of Game Dev Unchained, the original podcast that mm. brought us to you and within your viewership mm. landscape, right? Mm. This is a special episode, obviously, being a 200th episode with just us. We don't have a special guest because mm. we want to dedicate it to us and celebrate us mm. once in a while. And so uh, for anyone that have been seeing and been with us, we are almost approaching our fourth year, right? If I do the math, you said it was eight episodes So if away. you do 52 times four, that's 108. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, Larry is a better mathematician than I am. No, not at all. We both know how to use a calculator, so that's all that matters. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for this episode, it was been... Uh, we have reached certain aspects at the beginning of the year that we proposed to ourselves. Uh and have always eclipsed it every year that we've been in broadcasting, mm. right? If we go up back to our uh, our January episode, our New Year episode, mm. we were talking about, oh, this idea of maybe creating eventually a, co- a convention as our master goal, right? Mm. We did an online convention. We called it G-Dux and uh, was able to pull it off within two months. And it wasn't even an idea, really. It wasn't until we sat down pen with paper mm-hmm. and say let's do this where we hatched a, a rough uh plan mm-hmm. to kind of combat what we felt like was underserved within mm-hmm. the game development community and two months later we had 20 speakers with us and went three days straight seven hours of content each day mm-hmm. and that has opened up opportunities that we didn't even anticipate and so we already are planning for their second one. We're already talking to speakers, sponsors, and uh, marketing partners. And we're kind of going to throw this out there, right? So if you are a game developer, if you are having a software or anything of that sort, we are opening it up to sponsorship. Uh, if you want to have exposure for your product or game or whatever, Please contact us at info at gamedevunchain.com. We are actively looking for speakers as well. We already have our list of our own that we're going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to be a similar 18 to 21 speaker list. If you are interested, if you are interesting, <laughs> definitely go ahead and uh, email us and, and talk. Let's talk. 
because uh, if you're a listener of the podcast, you know the type of content that we are looking for. Mm-hmm. We're looking for timeless talks about the game development scene that anybody can discover five, ten years down the line and still apply it to their own yeah. lives. Wisdom. Wisdom, Wisdom, not, you know, tutorials. Tutorials are not our thing. Yeah. Uh, it's actually good for a game school online show. Yeah. Postmortems <laughs> even count, you know, like they're like, hey, here's how we messed up and here's what we learned. Yes. That can work. That could work too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you're a sp- speaker, sponsor, or you're interested in being a part of uh, GDUX, please let us know. And speaking of GDUX, mm-hmm. it being so successful, uh, having speakers and having people tune in and listen to the speakers and uh, watching the replays, we are adding a component or at least toying with the idea of uh, bringing the game into the game development talks. Mm-hmm. As in the first three days are we're playing with keeping the fam- same format. G-Ducks. Yeah. The G ducks uh, where we have speakers, invite speakers, have the intermissions. We talk about sponsors, all that stuff. But we're thinking of extending the three days to five full days where the last two days are completely dedicated uh, to like a backseat gaming type of show. So if you are a participant in any of our other shows besides Game Dev Unchained, thank you. If you're not, what's taking you so long? Go over and watch the other ones. Backseat Gamer is essentially Larry and I playing through games, right? And we feel like the last two days of GDUX could be dedicated to uh, celebrating and creating a platform for any indie developers out there that want to showcase their games in front of an audience. And I think it'd be really fun uh, actually playing the games ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we are opening up submission for that as well. So there's three layers of GDUX and the third layer being playing games. So if you feel like you have a prototype or games that can be beneficial and is able to put uh, in front of the stage and benefit from it in November, which is our next GDUX. PC only. PC, PC it. preferably. Well, if, I guess if you own the, if you, well, you have a PlayStation. You have a PlayStation. Well, you have it. You have an Xbox as well. So, but, I sold the Xbox. Yeah, yeah. Well, PC preferably, right? If you can uh, give us something that we can play with, we will dedicate like an hour. We're thinking about an hour each game. Mm. We'll see how long that goes. But we're, of course, we're reaching out to our speakers to kind of throw into that pot. But we feel like it's a it's a very cool thing because uh, not a lot of uh, shows can dedicate and give press to great games. And so there is a vetting process. We're not just gonna, <laughs> we're not just going to copy and paste whatever you sent to us. We we have to make sure it's worth. It's my browser game. Yeah, don't be no offended. Respect the browser games. Yeah, don't I'm be offended. Right, but we have to. Uh, yeah, there's a vetting process. But don't be discouraged to submit and talk to us. Info at gamedevunchain.com. All right, so that wraps up GDUX. So at this point, let's talk about what 200th episode means to you. Do you feel like a better game developer at this uh, well, point? Well, I feel more wise. Yeah. I feel like we've built some good connections and I feel like we've told some great stories. Yeah. Um, sometimes I feel inspired. Uh, other times I feel entertained. Yeah. Uh, cause, you know, usually it's, you're getting a little mix of both of those. Mm-hmm. And then I've learned about a lot about just parts of game development that I thought I had an idea about that I learned that either I was way off or I got some introspective, I got some depth, excuse me, perspective and depth. So I think overall I had 200 episodes of like one hour's worth of education and insight into an industry that is still very enigmatic mm-hmm. for a lot of people out there. 
Uh, there's a lot of stuff I realize I still don't understand, like why some business decisions go the way that they do, why mm-hmm. I feel like companies don't value employees, and mm-hmm. all those protests that you mm-hmm. hear us frequently like banging the desk on. So. Mm-hmm. Let's dig into some specifics, yeah. right? Of course, we don't have our list of guests, sure. and everyone has like amazing attributes, obviously. That's why we invited them on. That's why we continuously try to invite them back to G-Ducks yeah. and do like a, a dedicated talk. Yeah. Um, I'll start first, right? So, uh, with the many guests that we've had, um, I think we were before starting the podcast, pretty naive in how the game industry was, mm-hmm. right? Although our sentiment was, I think largely remained unchanged, mm-hmm. right? As in the game development scene, uh, is a tough industry and a lot of people are hurting, mm-hmm. You know, th- there needs to be a solution, right? I think there was a lot of nuances with, like, uh, you know, we would have Zach Rich on talking about the laws and and, and legis- uh, legislation of actually uh, opening up a game company, right? And, like, what it means to actually own a piece of a business. And, and, like, there's so many things that we would assume as a business that you would have to really spell it out in a written consent mm-hmm. to have everybody agree and so that... Uh, all these scenarios that might play off from what you imagine would actually be on paper so that you can always point it back and and give accountability to, right? Yeah. I didn't ever really think that far, right? There, And I think that essentially with every guest uh, helped us, at least me, kind of pave the way of what the realities are because maybe I thought of it, but I didn't think of it that far. And thankfully our guest was able to educate us on that stuff. Yeah. Uh, another situation was, uh, you know, when we started off the podcast, we had a lot of our friends on, right? Well, our friends are professionals, but yeah, we did have a lot of like, hey man, do us a favor. Let's try to build this podcast. And can you, you know, bring some of your audience in? Yeah. Like Kalen Chalk. Yeah. One, like Kalen Chalk, hardcore friend of ours who like has always been in support of what we've done. Right. I will always shout him out as like, he was like day one ready. Yeah. When we were like thinking about it, you know, so. Kalen, special shout out to you specifically, man. You brought a lot of heat and energy to a lot of the projects that we've done. Yeah. And I owe you so much in life, man. So, yeah. Yeah, seriously. Thank Kaylin, you. Uh, Tav. Man, Tav again. Kurt yeah. Papstein. Yep. I mean, these are friends that Dude, are. Anthony Jones came through. Anthony, fucking, yeah. He was like, oh, Kalen did it? All right, okay. You <laughs> yeah, guys yeah, 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 yeah. These I guys. Know somebody who's been on your <laughs> podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do it. <laughs> yeah, these are legitimate badasses yeah, that helped yeah. us pave the way, but also yeah. gave us an opportunity to kind of sit down and have a real conversation, yeah. which I realized was a missing part of my life. It's like, how how often do you sit with a friend and talk for an hour straight? Yeah. Not that much. I mean, you banter here and there, you laugh and stuff, but yeah. when you talk about real life issues, not often enough. And that completely, the podcast has transformed my way to communicate with people yeah. and, and dig in uh, because, you know, we're not antisocial, clearly, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm more antisocial than you, to be honest, because you you have the ability to talk to anyone. I okay. do too, but I close off. <laughs> I'm very selective. You're not good at being talked to. You, no, you, you, you don't mind talking with, but you don't like being talked to. Talk to, yeah. I think we <laughs> share that sentiment though. <laughs> All your examples of how you get out of conversation. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a certain element, especially in the business of talking, right? And because we're podcasting, but also as a game developer, as we've learned, networking is a huge component to that. Mm-hmm. And we talked to many guests that talk about how uh, 
how to engage and, and stay engaged with mm. uh, um, potential business partners, right? Mm. I still find it hard. I still find it hard to, for me to really uh, dedicate myself to everybody. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, you have that special ability, even before and after, right? To kind of have someone and, and give your, your attention to them. And I just say no. Yeah. <laughs> I still am at the it's, edge. It's all life. hard. To be honest, like my thing about talking or just giving people time is just I care. Even if I don't know you, I care just that you are a person who has given time out of their life to whatever we're doing. Yeah. And I don't want that to be wasted on like me having an attitude or like whatever bad thing. Like if you're engaging on something that I love as well. Yeah. That's a moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Even if I realize like, oh, damn, you're like super fan. I'm not that far in. I'm still going to like, you know, respectfully let you say what you need to say. Cause I, I keep having these examples of like times where it's gone too far and I'm Bro. Just like, shit, man. Dude, I'm watching God. a marathon oh, sometimes. It's like, how long is Larry's going to last with this? Like yeah. he has no out. He has no out game, dude. I just, my, I, I care very much about feelings, right? Like right. my own and other people's mm -hmm. and that gets me in trouble because I'll endure. I will sit there and endure and like just be like, I'll try to be like, hey, you know, it's, it's I got to go. And they're like, okay, cool, cool. But then I was thinking about this, this, and that. And usually I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to try it again. Because the last thing I want to do is like in cancel culture days, the last thing I'm gonna be like, Jesus Christ, I got to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then all that they remember is that like you looked at them in the face and got mad and said, Jesus Christ, I got to go. And then they tell all their Twitter people and all this and all that. And I don't want to create those kind of interactions. I have no problem just talk to anybody, listen to them, <laughs> let them say what they got to say. I'm willing to take the risk. Yeah. That's what I got going there. <laughs> I'm willing to take the risk. And I'll, I will be that asshole mm. on this partnership no, to kind of cool. chime in and be like, Hey, we're, we're, we got a, we got a meeting, right? Larry. <laughs> oh man. Sorry, dude. I'll yeah. do it in a nice way. No, yeah, it's, but one of us has to be that guy. It's fine. It's, yeah. I, I don't consider it a weakness or anything. I just know, I know me very well. And I usually, endure or allow more than most people will just cut it off because yeah. I feel like they'll think about like how they feel or they want to get out for themselves where I'm always the like I don't want to hurt that guy's feelings right, like, right, he right. seems like he's he buys a lot of games he supports people in my industry you know he's talking to a developer right now like I don't want to shit on them. okay I'll, I'll just be 10 minutes late yeah yeah then if I'm 10 minutes late I'm like okay hey man look please I gotta go I'm yeah, yeah. so happy yeah here's my like email or whatever yeah. like say everything to my email and yeah. i'll get in touch well you're a fantastic casual talker we can basically say we're a professional talker oh, now. yeah we got it down now we got it down now so what did you feel uh helped with your talk game by having gage Unchained as a podcast like interviewing like over to so let's say 150 right 150 i'll say this there's a lot of filler episodes in there <laughs> We have never scripted any of the talks that we've had. We've yeah. never like we've had like talking points as in three things that we might want to somehow get the conversation to go towards. Yeah. But we've never actually like, okay, so yeah, did five you minute. Yeah, like yeah, 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 have yeah. this and that kind of an experience when you were working at such a yeah, place? We've yeah. never done like it was actual pure driven by uh, curiosity. So, I guess what doing this podcast has gotten me better at is like just kind of being familiar with what my talking points are going to be knowing who we're going to bring on and like just having some assumptions of where conversation can lead to yeah. storing it all in my brain and then being able to kind of transition or navigate the conversation yeah, 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 yeah. as needed to try to reach 
certain points or dialogues right. that I thought would have been critical to the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All still on the fly. Yeah, yeah. And like, well, you've always been good on the fly, though. That's the thing. So, do you feel like it got compliment yourself, man? <laughs> what what not, good things have you done? <laughs> I'm not on the fly. Like, yeah, so, yeah. like, yes, this this episode. Uh, I mean, this this podcast has has given us so much good content yeah. and good guests that we continuously build relations mm-hmm. with, right? And uh, it, it gave attention to a lot of the roles and disciplines that make this crazy industry work as mm. a whole uh, in a huge way. It gave me tremendous perspective mm. uh, in ways that I didn't even imagine, mm. right? Because we started the podcast very naively thinking about, I want to scream, mm. give me a mic so I can scream into yeah. it, right? But even if you go back to the early episode, we joke about that. We had some nuggets. We had a clear goal of trying, like, talking to our friends and any other person to 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 make sure that we try to make lessons out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Not to just purely complain. Yeah. I I don't think we hit our real stride and rhythm until like maybe a year after, mm-hmm. where we finally started to get real, really big guests. Mm-hmm. Not to like downplay no, <laughs> any no. other guests before, but you mean like guests that I didn't even think well, that guests would... that had clout that we didn't have a personal connection to. Exactly, to exactly. That's, that's the best way. We to were say. reaching out networks way outside ours, yeah, and uh, was uh, basically able to give game developers a platform yeah. uh, that they didn't have before. If we were to track all these game development podcasts mm-hmm. four years before to now, there's so much more. Yeah. on the Apple Podcast form. And I have to say, we're the pioneers to that. <laughs> you welcome everybody. There's a, there's a lot of three-letter acronym podcasts that started popping up. <laughs> game dev, blank, 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 yes. blank, blank, blank. Game dev this, game dev yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think we, we, cool. re, we really strengthened game dev instead of game developer, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. game development. But uh, it, it gives us a lot of pride because yeah. these are conversations that used to be uh, take be taking place in the alleyway, right? Mm-hmm. Away from anybody that has power. Well, nobody wants to record themselves giving an opinion these days when they need their job. That's that's the yeah. first thing you know. It's like, well, that's probably we, uh, why. Yeah, me and you, when we first started, that was our number one fear, like talking openly about the problems. Yeah. But four years later, we're like, ah, whatever. Well, I, Who's next? <laughs> I think the, the pivots that we made, though, were smart, right? Like, we, yeah. we were leaving Activision at the time, and then we both went to independently owned studios. Yeah. And then I went to another independently owned studio where I knew that, like, so long as they knew I was doing my job, it wasn't like I was going to cause any conflicts if I was out there like, hey, here's my opinion. Right, here's right, right. Story. Had I gone to, like, an EA or a Blizzard or, you know, like, a big, like, for-profit, like, publicly traded company type yeah. game studio, I'm pretty sure there would have been difficulties. Yes, I'll kind of piggyback on that. The podcast has formulated my career ever since we started because knowing how the podcast was so important to me and talking to developers having issues at these big studios made me at least confirm my decision of staying away from Mm. big studios that at least Mm. didn't allow me to do outside ventures right? because I knew it was a way to trap myself into this idea of... uh, enslavement <laughs> to my job right and so every decision i've made was purely about smaller studio that allowed me to do things on the side which is the podcast which is a huge factor right not i understand not every employer wants their employee openly talking about the game issue right mm-hmm. it's a potential conflict of interest mm-hmm. 
And it's the number one joke that I tell all my friends who starts gossip because we still hear gossip mm. as you, uh, you would working in the game industry, right? Or any industry about why this is happening why this studio is doing this, all these harassment stuff, like who's affected. Are they really changing? Mm. We all hear that. And I always joke. He's like, you can tell me, man, I'm just a podcaster. <laughs> all I do is just talk about these problems, yeah. but with full confidence, I'm not going to share um to to jeopardize anybody oh, of course job. like yeah. we i'll say that like we've heard things that like we weren't allowed we to still say hear sharing. things like, we that we haven't shared it yet share your share but like everybody does to be honest yeah everybody has small talk even when you work for those companies like don't say or do this or do that those people go home and have their best friends who are like yo my boss is tripping yeah you know what I mean? like those conversations are happening left and right so i don't feel bad about that i don't feel bad at all and we won't you know, divulge the details. What we do is we get guests about these details. <laughs> and that's, that helps us navigate. You're a lawyer, right? The issues. So say we were talking about a company that was having <laughs> such and such go on. And that has helped tremendously. Yeah. Like we've gotten to 200 episodes and it's been so easy. It's been so easy. We're, uh, we're at a point where it books itself. Like I'm not actively going out there, uh, trying to vibe for your guests because we're, we're, we're a viable platform now. Mm-hmm. It's gotten to a point where interesting people are coming to us and we just book them and yeah. we talk to them and it's fun. It's still very fun. And I'm constantly still learning about the industry, even though it feels like we're in a niche market. It feels like, yes, we're fucked. Now what? Mm-hmm. There's so much avenue that, uh, so many avenues that we haven't even discovered. You know, the last time we talked to a guest that is an upcoming episode talking about, uh, Google Home and Alexa being a gaming platform. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. As a game developer, I never heard of that. Yeah. But then it started to make sense as we discussed through it. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. Wow, is that what they're doing over there? And that's going to be cool. every day. Technologies are going to come on board. Game developers are going to have more options than ever before. Opportunities are going to be created. Opportunities are going to be created. Ways that you can implement or like ways you can be valuable even as a game developer are just going to continue to... I guess, grow yes. outside of game development, right? Like engines being, you know, real-time rendering platforms for movies and previs and things like that. That's new yeah. simulations and physics. And as you know, we were talking about Tesla, SpaceX and NASA were like, Hey, let's use unreal, create the simulation to see if like we should spend all this money to make this rocket for this specific mission. Yeah. We can much more predictively calculate, you know, with the data that we have at our exposure today, how successful we will be with, you know, X, Y, Z type of algorithm for handling navigation moment to moment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so much power in what we do. Or you look at going to Disneyland, there's a lot of game design in how people, how a park is laid out, like Disneyland rides. And like, I was learning all this stuff from Scott Rogers, one of his talks Mm -hmm. and television, like grocery store club. I mean, I can point out game design, me specifically, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like, oh, I don't know about these other fields. But like, I can point out the game design and gamification in so many things that people just consider part of their everyday lives. Where like, hey, you just earned that free club. Yeah. And you did this. And you earned that blankety blank. And your miles have now ranked up to this. Now you're a double gold member. Mm-hmm. And if you just fly it 10 more times, you're going to... Yeah. Like, the way that all these incentives are designed, the way that people are being manipulated with advertising... I'm I'm starting to go on one of those old man tangents. No, 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 but, but it's true. Like yeah. the world is changing towards uh, gamification yeah. and engagement, right? Yeah. The the move with YouTube uh, is a clear case of them 
not just about the view counts, but how long someone actually stays on to watch movies yeah. because that's the real value. Yeah. Netflix has seen the same thing. Like we have these people watching movies two hours at a time. How do we extend that experience? Yeah. Oh, what about interactive yeah. watching? What the is, what the is that? And how 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 viable is that? And they, it's basically gaming. Yeah. So the the. The jobs for game developers is vastly becoming very important as part of society. Fortnite making it like a common uh, cultural phenomenon that every parent and kid alike yeah. uh, knows that game. Don't 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 shit on games as much, right? Yeah. The conversation ten years ago was like, oh, someone played Doom, therefore that's why that kid is uh, shooting up the the school or something like yeah. that. That was the narrative for gaming. Now you're seeing them on Jimmy Fallon. You're seeing uh, Fortnite uh, having an effect on sports, <laughs> like people doing the dances. Uh, everybody is respecting it as an f- art form now, mm-hmm. as an entertainment value and a viable uh, advertising avenue for all these corporations to go to and be like, hey, we want a piece of this. Mm-hmm. So that's why we see the entry of Amazon, the entry of Google. Facebook, mm. right? These are major tech companies that even though these are our tech cousins that work at these places yeah. and some of them got interested in tech because of gaming, there's a shift of the old guards mm. where they, they are in these power positions and understanding like how how game development and gaming is a major sell, right? It's a major market that these tech companies didn't have uh, particip- uh, participation before. Yeah. And like to be fair, like Facebook had that Facebook uh, web browse type of games with the mafia games and all that stuff before, until mobile really took that away. Right? It was a weird transition. Now, yeah. like mobile, just no one understood what mobile gaming could look like, and then those flash games started to transfer over, it's, and it was like getting major hits. I think I, <clears throat> I don't want to say blame. I attribute like the success of mobile's like giant upswing to the touchscreen iPhone. Yeah. Because prior to that, it was like two-inch screen Nokia, like 256 color. Like just the types of gaming experiences that we had available to us at the time were just not that great, not that enthusiastic for me as a consumer to be like, oh, I will invest lots of time into this. I can get addicted to Snake. Yeah. Like, no, not really. You know what I mean? But... I know that that touchscreen iPhone, like when I started seeing games come out on that, you really started to see the potential, like the game design and the ideas of the like, hey, this is a bus stop game. And mm-hmm. a bus stop game is like, look, it's just simple loop, simple mechanic, and it has lots of depth. It'll fill up time. You'll be enjoy, you'll enjoy yourself. And then, hey, what do you know? There's the bus. Yeah. But, you know, Flappy Bird, Angry Bird, like freaking all these, like the first game that I think that was big that I remember was like Trism, something mm-hmm. like that. Like yeah. We all remember the I fart days. And yeah, like yeah, they yeah. made $800,000 yeah, and all you do is fart yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. And then forget about it. Yeah. Forget about it. Yes. Yeah. The transitional games have always been interesting because, yeah, they, they're the first to market, right? Everyone was just trying to get a product out there that yeah. had like a little gimmick that people uh, find it shareable, right? Yeah. And then that catches on. Um, we can talk about the, if we really talk about like the big innovators, we go back all the way to the, what is it? Project Xenon or something. Mm-hmm. XBLA, right? With the small indie games. Because I remember back in the 2K, like 10 years ago, 
there was a couple of the guys that were working there. Like, hey, we're going to quit this AAA job. Mm. The game hasn't even been shipped yet, right? We're still working on it. And we're going to do this thing on the XBLA. Yeah. I was like, what? What is that? You're, you're quitting a stable job. Take a chance and do this thing. And this is like, I think even shortly before Meat Boy, right? Mm-hmm. Super Meat Boy. Or all those indie titles that really mm-hmm. made it big. And so that that was uh, that 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 started that whole uh, the flash game on Facebook thing, and then that transitioned into the mobile games, and then now we're seeing back to console. So like I feel like a lot of these guys that initially bet on uh, indie titles, mm-hmm. at, there was a weird period where they abandoned it a bit, right? Mm-hmm. They took a step back because I felt like Xbox. Let's take Xbox as an example. Yeah. They took a step back from the XBLA. Right, they didn't emphasize it as much at a certain period. Right, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like they gave it so much attention, but now they're going back into it because now they have like this Game ID Pass, Xbox, and all that. Yeah, ID get Xbox and uh, Game Pass that definitely needs great content, and the only people that can churn that many content are indie developers, yeah. or at least give you the cadence that you want. You can get small teams that can do well enough, you know. Yeah, and now we're also in the age where we see our friends. Who are traditionally game developers working over at Tesla and mm. SpaceX or Google? It's like, what are you doing over there? Not games. Well, the definition <laughs> of games. Getting paid better. Getting paid better. But the definition less. of games are, are very loose now. Like, mm. what is a game? It's just interactivity yeah. for on a consumer level, right? Yeah, if you consider yourself an interactive experience developer that knows a lot about game design or game development, that's cool. But, like, you as an artist that does 3D models, you could probably be just as effective in doing stuff for movies. You could be just as effective in doing stuff for AR, VR, uh, simulations. Definitely right now, yeah. Essentially, you're using the same skills. I've created the props that made this environment believable that you're walking through. Well, just, right now, it's very interesting. It's I like, changed the scale to human versus like right. Pikachu or whatever. Everybody's skill set is transferring. It's not even transferring. It's it's more the, the, the more film. Applying not even applicable. These other industries are looking at game techniques mm. as the way forward. Right? They're 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 asking game developers how to make with us. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's it's a reversal that I didn't anticipate even 4 years ago before we started our podcast. This is an industry that has been growing uh in the span of a year and a half. Yeah. Uh I think mostly thanks to Unreal 4 being such a graphical fidelity uh, powerhouse, yeah. right? With its strong su- uh, tool set. It makes it a lot easier to convince, mm-hmm. right? Once you have something like this looks just as good as your rendering, now you can walk over with your client and show the blueprints around, yeah. right? It's, it's, uh, it's an exciting time that uh, I, I'm so impressed uh even though we are cynical in our own way about the industry i'm mm-hmm. so impressed how organically we just tend to break from uh the constraints mm-hmm. just naturally yeah. right and that just tells how our technology is so important that no matter how many times a major corporation tries to limit mm-hmm. your creativity that eventually it's going to burst mm-hmm. and that game developers will have their time mm-hmm. to shine. And we're talking about game developer rights and having better work life balance and all this stuff. They're finding that mm-hmm. uh, just in other ways, in other industries. 
which is very, uh, I don't know. Like, let's really crack into that. Like, what does that mean? Is there is there ever going to be a future that you feel that the traditional game development scene companies mm -hmm. would actually start to implement changes that we've always been proposing, which is just no crunching, There's fair work wages, uh, fire and hire, sure, but at least have some buffer, right, uh, at the beginning of the contract that they can live off of? Well, I guess... I look at it and say, I believe yes, because what I'm seeing is less and less people entering the game industry workforce through traditional means. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, AI is closing down a lot of schools, which means less places for you to go brick and mortar style to learn how to do what we do. Although tools are online and more free and they're more available, I know the talent pool is potentially spreading and you know that may work against what my point here is being, but like the first thing that I see that's hurting and cannibalizing the game industry that will change is the churn. Yeah. They're like, oh, we just chew people up and spit them out. And then, okay, cool. Well, that's on your reputation. And your reputation is going to have to absorb that. And then the industry is going to have to absorb that. Like, yeah. if it, tri it trickles up from the micro level to the macro level because people are going to say, this shouldn't be how it is. Especially when I know that, like, the guy that I used to sit across from who does what I do yeah. now works at Tesla, having a great time, has a new Tesla and a brand new home. Yeah. Like, why would I sit here and continue to let you make yourself rich off of my sweat? Yeah. And I'm going to go over there where everyone is getting rich together. Yeah. Um, I think the old guard of doing business and I think the publicly traded companies are going to be the first ones to really, like, really royally fuck up and then realize that they have to course correct. But the course correction is going to be too late because all the burn people are going to be going off to do the right thing the right way already. And then they'll be the ones that are established. Yeah. That's the, the only thing that I'm fearing is exactly that. Like, before we figure this stuff out, all the talent that is worth the money mm -hmm. will be at these other companies. Oh, why would, uh, I, other why would I stay in the game industry? And like, That's exactly you know, what I'm seeing right now. Yeah. There's a huge exodus about uh, with these developers. Yeah that are uh, discovering other industries using the same skill set yeah. and honestly probably working less, way yeah. less with uh, more more salary, right? I'm better perks. Mm -hmm. Will there ever be a situation where they ever go back uh, unless it's just for curiosity and interest, right? It, it's not going to be the money. It's not going to be the perks. I don't see a game development, a traditional AAA game development being able to offer half as much mm. because the business itself is the problem, right? Mm. The business of selling a $60 game, uh, the traditional way on a three to five year development scene and hoping that it's going to succeed, right? Mm. is not going to work. And some game, there's a lot of games still being made that way, which yeah. is very surprising, right? But then, the, the, you know, these guys are trying to figure out the DLC, the microtransaction, and I feel like it's getting making it worse. Yeah, I mean, look, just look at the new 2K basketball game, man. Yeah. It's, we had a conversation about that recently with a friend of ours, and like, oh, the, the non-skippable commercials? Mm -hmm. Straight up commercials in your game. That is a telltale sign of things to come. Like, to have the audacity to do it, but then stand by it and be like, no, that's just how we're rocking because we got all this money. Yeah. Okay, cool. No problem. Set your set your company on fire, go for it. Yeah. Set the industry on fire by setting a precedent that other people will follow, and then you know, I don't know. Like I, I don't want to be like, "Whoa, is the industry?" But I know that these things are. There's time in between the cause and effect. Right now, we're seeing the thing that is going to cause the effect that will happen in the future. But when that thing happens in the future, if I'm still around, it'll be 
great times because we won't see this kind of bullshit anymore. Yeah, so that only leaves room for the large companies to actually be able to do those AAA games, yeah. right? And maybe that is the way to do it, where if you're willing to spend $300 million to develop a game, that but you I, can take that. But that's a crazy risk, isn't it? I think it? That's, the, that's what's going to kill these big companies is the, like, they're going to be like, man, now we have to compete again with PS5 graphics and Xbox 2 graphics, and it's going to take us X many man months to do XYZ. It's going to cost $400 million yeah, now. And we need to sell $80, $80 right, right, right. games. And people are going to be like, yeah, but, you know, I'm just going to go to this free-to-play thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to just rock out over there. But that, that, that that's the type of situation that these companies find themselves in because they, they created it. They created it, and they look at ways to cut costs, and that is either, well, mostly on the employees' back, yeah. right? Crunch time, lower talent, pushing out bigger talent that costs more money. Mm-hmm. They're always looking for ways what the bottom line is, and that's probably why that's causing the most issues, right, With among game developers. It's like, don't work on anything but this. Constantly be unhappy. You know, constant turnover rate. Because most people that come into these, like, big bonuses type of deals is like, you know, I'm just going to give it one year. Cash in, cash out. Uh, And we're not getting the type of quality I feel that we're used to where it's like a proven team sticking together. And making it easier the next cycle yeah. around. So that hasn't changed. Like that that is something we saw way before we started the podcast four years ago. And that has not changed. And it I think it's gotten worse, right? Microtransaction was just a small thing four years ago. It was mostly DLC, right? How many years ago? Four years ago. Four years ago, you think so? Microtransactions have been around for a long time. For mobile. Yeah, for mobile. You mean but like for for AAA? Games? For for it to be in the headlines right now. Okay. Right. No one was. Okay. Okay. People were complaining about microtransaction. Yeah. With mobile, but they are more forgivable because it's they like knew that their game costs ninety nine cents or less. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now we're seeing the problems that you you're talking yeah, about, where sixty dollar game with a commercial in it. Yeah. What am I buying here? Buying commercials yeah. with the commercials. It's the same reason I didn't like Hulu at first. They did that terrible. Yeah. When I was, uh, I bought in five dollar membership, and I was still seeing commercials, and I got to upgrade to a premier one with no commercials. Why did I buy you for it? Yeah, Just give me free TV again. But that just I already have the commercials. That even tells me the you corporation the they're struggling, right? Yeah. They're struggling as a corporation, right? And they don't know what to do to charge more than the sixty dollar content. It's not that hard to just look at it from the customer's perspective and say, how can we deliver what they would want to pay for, right? Like, obviously, I don't want commercials. Yeah. Right? Obviously, if you survey or if you know what other people are charging, you can see that, like, customers are, like, interested in $10 or less streaming platform with no commercials. Yeah. Can I produce that? If the answer is no, then leave it alone. If the answer is yes and competitively, then go for it. You know what I mean? Don't try to put it on us that, like, oh, we can't just make a $60 game and be profitable. So we have to do all these extra things to screw the customer over yeah. in order for this to be profitable. Like, yeah. no way, man. Just do good business. Make a thing that you can afford to make that you can competitively produce. Yeah. And then just do better business than your competitors. Yeah. I think that's the time when the corporation shows you a graph and, it's like, just, hey, it's <laughs> look greed, at this. Man. Well, it's greed, but it also, um, like, the consumer nowadays are a lot different. Yeah. Everyone expects high quality, free. Not even cheap, just free, right? Yeah. That's what they expect now because the precedent, the president, the not president, precedent, precedent, 
uh, that we have shown gamers mm. is exactly that. Mm. Uh, first of all, with the Kickstarter, unrealistic expectations, right? Mm. Where, again, the bigger developers come onto that platform and just ruin the landscape of mm. what to expect for a, a small chunk of money, right? Yeah. That, that already ruins it. Uh, the iPhone games, right? Having quality content now, but for 99 cents, Mm. Or, or or free mostly free now mm. right uh we confuse the market so much that when we tell them to pay a certain amount for what would be logistically realistic to actually mm. make the game mm. they don't believe it yeah and it's not them it's not for us to blame them right yeah. we fucked it up there was no standardization of our products and quality and uh, I, I don't think we're making it any better. Yeah. Now we're, we're charging commercials. Now people who buy $60 games can expect to pay more mm. to get all the content mm. uh, that was promised. And then on their side, it's like, wait, they mostly figure that, it, uh, that we're holding back content on launch, mm. right? So although we feel like four years ago when we started the podcast, problems... Some problems were at least more transparent. I don't think, um, I think over, do you feel like we were in a better place than four years ago as an industry? No. No. So Not you felt all. like it got a lot worse. Um, I think we're just in a different place. For developers place. in the development. For, I think we're in a different place. I see a lot of developers who looked at being on a AAA game as like, oh, this is going to be great. Four years of job security. Are not really oh, no one's that. looking at that anymore. Yeah, no way. Good. Um, Thank God. I see a lot of these big studios that are like, hey, you know what? It's profitable to just lay off a ton of people after we're done with the game, right? And are not facing, like, the gallows for that kind of behavior. So that, like, re that reaffirms that, like, they can get I feel like it's even more rampant. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's exactly. And for, then, for Activision to say 800 people, that I didn't see. I w could not see that move, like, four years ago. So then you add that on top of the, like, the harassment things that are happening at big studios, the racist things that are happening as people are just being a person of color in the game industry and how yeah, toxic they worse. have to deal. Man, please. It got worse. This landscape right now is, there are good things. There are great things. There are great communities and there are shining points. Yeah. But there, I see a lot more of the bad showing up. Not, I'm not saying, I'm not giving you a ratio of like, it's this much good and this much bad. But I am saying the bad has increased. Bad has increased. The bad has increased. What, what are some of the good things that you can highlight that you feel like as an industry we're gotten better? I, I will never Opportunities get... definitely gotten sure. better. I think that there's there's more that I can do in the industry right now with less people. Yeah. I think the tools being free, like Maya, uh, Autodesk doing the like Maya and Max indie license now. Have you heard of that? Mm. Two, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. 230 they just, bucks a year for Maya or Max for like the indie the version. Indie it's but that's way better than 1600 or 2500 or whatever it used to be for the just year. make it free bro you know until I mean? you like, profit this is where uh, autodesk until you sponsor us i will say this <laughs> you are so backwards in your way of thinking look at every other software where it's like it's free to use for indie developers until you reach uh, this royalty mark uh, profit margin they're kind of doing that it's just that okay. they're basically doing essentially it's twenty dollars a month for paid all at once if you hit more than a hundred thousand then you have to get the full license so it's like it's roughly like the adobe no it's that's free. what the math works out to. it's free until look this is so dumb blender is free yeah blender has been championed 
by the community, by the community yeah. and legitimate uh, corporations. U- Ubisoft yeah. have thrown in uh, support. Yes, Epic has given uh, it uh, some investment yeah. uh, through its mega grant mm-hmm. to help build that up. Audiodesk looks at this as like, hey, you see what I see? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of small indie developers that are willing to use 3D programs to make their game. Mm-hmm. We can get in on this yeah. by charging them 230. It was it is the wrong way of thinking. They should have looked at Leonard's like this is a threat. Mm-hmm. It's free. Mm-hmm. We should be free too until they make X amount of money. Yeah. Because even Blender's it's free forever, right? Yeah. It's free, 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 free. Yeah. It's and not so timeshare free. It's so it's free, not free. even competitive. Yeah. It's not even competitive if they say we'll charge you later. But Maya and Max is a respected platform for game developers within the I'll say this, man. Workflow. Like, for me, because I got my like feet wet in Maya, I was excited about this news because once uh, my educational, like because I was License, teaching at a college, yeah. so I'm still within the three years, but it's probably like a a week or two away, maybe even a, maybe a couple months. Cause I haven't taught in it feels like around three years, Yeah. but I, I made sure to get my like licensed teacher copy just so I could keep practicing. I could probably handle the 200 bucks, the 230 bucks a year, but, but even but then I grew in it. Right. So right. like I'm kind of attached to it. You're attached to it. If I was like an 18 year old, 17 year old who was like, I want to do this games thing. There's no way I'm picking anything but blender. Yeah. Like it's, it's but over. even now, as I'm advising you, just, yeah, yeah. just do Blender, man. Because they changed the UI and yeah. the controls to where you can jump in and figure yeah. things out now. Yeah. It's it's their recent overhaul update is like a huge facelift yeah. uh, because UI and, and everything else was yeah. was crappy before. Yeah. But now it's gotten it got legitimized. So if you're an indie developer, unless you're thinking about going into a development or working within a studio, there's no reason for you to touch that software. Because yeah. Autodesk guys are, until you sponsor us, are really slow with their updates. <laughs> and somehow it's the only Don't software that. that makes it worse sponsor. with every update. <laughs> yeah. Even if Autodesk sponsors us, though, like I'm just going to be real, man. Yeah. I will tell you straight up where you're fucking up or where you're doing well. Yeah. And it won't have anything to do with the money, right? Like, I know it's a joke. I'm not calling you out. It's more like, I'm just saying, I think that I'll give them credit for taking such a major step. This is like a 90% discount, essentially, if you sure. really look at it. That's that's pretty good. To, the people who were used to be charging 2500 or whatever they were charging yeah. to now charge two thirty five under under $100,000 of revenue for your business, yeah. it's a great step. It means that there's a potential that they would then have to reevaluate even how far they came did they achieve their objective? And is it better to go maybe $9 a month or something yeah. like that? Cause sure. $9 a month is free enough for yeah. me. I would pay nine bucks a month. I'm paying 50 for Photoshop and Lightroom. You know what I mean? 20 for Maya is not so bad. Adobe sucks, dude. <laughs> for that reason, man. So you use GIMP? Do you use, what's your, or do you go straight to like Substance or something? No, well, Substance, substance is Adobe, Adobe now. now. So your mixer, I, I just don't like, Adobe know how to use their tools. I just don't like the pay model. Of course, Adobe, if you're a professional, there's no alternative to Adobe, yeah. right? You have to use their suite of products, obviously, for film, streaming, all this stuff. You know, they're still king. There's no second. Because when there is a second, they buy them up, right? They're that strong. 
But I mean, you specifically though, could you get away with just using like the Quixel tools? Uh, th- without you Photoshop, have, you don't have to do like actual texture stuff, like just painting diffuse, like we used to back in the day. Before Adobe bought Substance, yeah. you can get away with just Substance. Yeah, that's what I thought. You didn't have to use Photoshop as much. Yeah, right? it became more of a preference. Uh, now that they bought it, you know, yes, technically you can really rely on. Quixel, mm. but when you're doing masks and stuff, it's not mm. Photoshop, right? Yeah. So you're still somewhat relied, relying on Adobe to to kind of Photoshop is there for for a good cause. So then it sounds like there are a couple tools away from being. Irrelevant. But this is the problem with the major softwares, okay. right? Autodesk, Adobe, these guys that have like a monopoly in mm. that field, they stop innovating. Mm. I, it's really disheartening because like all, it's the reason why they stop innovating why it gives way yeah. to substance and quicksol mm-hmm. to kind of fill those needs right uh and uh it, it's crazy that they don't look at this data for game development and be able to tell like hey if we stop updating real updates mm-hmm. we're, we're allowing competitors to come in. and maybe that's fine maybe they're like hey when they're actually pretty good we'll buy them up no yeah. problem and it becomes us but that's just so, I don't know. I don't like that way of thinking. You have so such a huge user base, and you're just pissing them off mm-hmm. constantly. So with Autodesk, yes. A lifer using their 3D software. Mm-hmm. But I've just been so disappointed in the last, what, five to ten years. Yeah. They've changed nothing. And I'm looking over uh, at, like, smaller... 3D software like Moto and all these hard surfacing uh, 3D packages, and they're doing all these crazy new new shit. And of yeah. course, no one's stopping me from going over there, except that when I'm working within a studio, you know, you want to prefer some lateralness yeah. with your coworkers, right? Uh, especially when it's dictated by your uh, technical artist. Mm. That's making tools for Maya, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's the reason why people are using more Maya than Max, mainly because Maya is more open to yeah. creating tools for it. Mm-hmm. And when I started my career, it was all Max, but because of that reason, you know, more of the team development disciplines can work together with yeah. Maya. So therefore, we went with Maya. Yeah. And so I learned Maya. Yeah. But then, you know, you see all these cool, uh, cool ways to kind of speed up your workflow mm. with these other programs you just wish your your program would actually take notice and apply those things mm. and they don't yeah and they choose not to and it's just like come on guys <laughs> do something but that i mean that that type of frustration is on the game development tools right mm. but is the type of frustration that if i were to talk to an employer <laughs> It's like you see like these things that are happening with the indie scene. Mm-hmm. You're seeing these things happening with the other industries using game development tech. Yep. But you're stuck with the same employer who are still limiting your creativity and uh, outside endeavors, thinking that it's a threat to their their business. Their business. <laughs> it's insane. It's like we don't like how you're going out there and hey, becoming Michael a Jordan, better artist. We don't want you to go practice shooting hoops when you get home. You know, just... Only, only, very, only get better at basketball when you're here in our training facilities yes, and I, only play for us. That, that. If you go home and play horse with your sons or like do foul shots and shit, nah, we can't have that. 
that stranglehold yeah. has gotten tighter. Mm-hmm. I think when uh, when we started four years ago, it, yeah. it's definitely gotten a lot tighter. Like I talked to friends uh, working at these major companies, like major companies, right? Mm-hmm. That can afford developers sure. having fun outside of work. It's just straight up within the contract of even coming onto the team. You can everything that you work on. Inside or outside this premises, we own. We own. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I wouldn't sign that. Isn't that but crazy it's, though? It's it's audacious. But that that was some that was something I felt years ago that people would not include because mm. break it down, man. <laughs> like you own everything I do. Yeah, I wrote, that is I wrote not a song for my little girl to sing her to go to sleep at yeah. night. Yeah. Somebody heard it, put on the radio, and I made four million bucks. Let's just say, but it, but nope, sorry, that's that's ours. Because there is no communication between the de- developers right now that they can get away with this type of stuff. The only reason why they would want to say something like that is because they want, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you to need your job so bad that you'll never not want to do it unless you get another job. Yeah, because then they know that, like, all right, our art director is going to be our art director. You know, there's there's less things that are going to pull him away from doing that. The right. only way that he could leave is if he quit to get another opportunity or he quit knowing that, hey, him writing songs must be so damn important. Yeah. But anybody in that gray area is going to stay with their job. It's it's all about keeping you in that position because, excuse me, it's, it's less variables for them, right? More guarantees. Well, I mean, as we do, it's almost an hour. Ugh. So I'm going to ask you this question. Okay. On our road to 300 episodes, I'm going to t- ask three questions, right? Did you get this from the audience or are you? No, 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 this own? is from me, okay. man. Right. Natural curiosity, because that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you feel we should be? Well, no, we know where we should be. Where do you think we'll be in 300 episodes, right? How many years? It's like two years from now. 300 episodes. As an industry. We're about to hit 108. So, yeah, that's a little less than two years. Little le- le- in two years' time, right, by the 300th episode, do you feel like we're going to be talking about the same problems? Extrapolate? If we were to measure, you know, the progress the last four it's years. It's very interesting. Uh, two years from now, what do I think we'll be talking about? I, yeah, our I game still developers are still talking being... about a lot of the same stuff. I think one of the... Do you think people are still being harassed, sexually harassed? Oh, you sure. Think, you think yeah, it's going to be man, worse? Please. You After all these friend, news stories coming you out, you know how long sexual harassment has been a thing. <laughs> but these game two are, years is not gonna. These game companies have been they've been slapped on the wrist, right? Do you feel no like no one has gone to jail? Okay, you know what I mean. Like no one has gone to jail. It's, no one has done anything other than like paper punishment. You know what I mean? Like oh, we put him in training. We made him do X, so Y, and Z. It's X, gonna y, be more gloves <laughs> during harassment until someone is like, oh nope, gone to court, convicted. Guilty four years for a sexual misconduct in the workplace or something like that. Okay. Until you see that happen, the shockwave isn't going to be powerful enough because they think money and connections will just push it under. Right. It'll Un- unaffected then. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to get worse. I think sexual harassment will still be here in two years. Okay. Uh, the game crunching culture, all that stuff. I for sure game believe that that right. will still be here in two years. I still think that there's going to be big time crunch projects because I have I don't see the sixty dollar game dead yet i don't see the 300 million dollar game yet two years from now i would love to be asked that question again yeah uh but over the next two years especially because the new consoles are coming out i don't i don't see the crunch culture dying i actually see it kind of getting worse for some of the studios who are going to be making the like launch day products yeah for ps5 xbox 2 and then 
even those first two to three years of like trying to get the sales of those consoles high enough that they don't have to work as hard on the game. Like Sony sold 100 million PS4s now. Yeah. Right? Where we're talking about making PS5, like within a couple of months, we might start seeing real PS5 stuff. Yeah. When the PS4 first came out, they were selling like, oh, 3 million units. Yeah. Four or five. Yay. Yeah, Six yeah, yeah. million units total. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I still see making $400 million to make a game and you only have 4 million, 5 million people to sell it to. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, Some yeah. companies are going to take a hit big time. Do you feel uh, veterans are going to stay more than leave? The next two years, I think. Leave it as in like the, the traditional game developer. But like maybe going to the enterprise side. I see droves of more people, especially artists, okay. like in mass leaving the game industry for greener pastures in tech, greener pastures in previs film. or simulation film. Yeah. Exactly. There's more industries that need their skills that will pay better. That are gonna pay better, way better. That don't that didn't come up under the way that like they some have of these steam big, money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're that's what I'm seeing too. Money. Well, I mean, they have an alternate revenue stream that yeah. isn't reliant on their end product being yeah. successful or not. And that's that's something the game industry and very few game companies have figured out. Yeah. And that is not going to change. Yeah, so I see. Those are my Swami <laughs> predictions. For, All these unless Fort- you had another question. I have one more question. Okay. All these f- Fortnite lovers, right? Mm-hmm. Those huge gush of uh, young gamers mm-hmm. do you see a huge influx of game developers from them yes uh, huge uh, convert. Fortnite added creative mode which is like a huge sandbox where from what i've seen like i've seen people making these like amazing death traps i've mm-hmm. seen people make these like musical like oh i've made my favorite song or i've you know and like i'm not saying that Fortnite is responsible for this next wave but i definitely see a lot of people who are in Fortnite, especially if they're like enjoying themselves in creative mode are going to get that like wow it's really cool to build a thing and like interact with it and show it to other people and then they try it and right. then that loop is what gets people excited about making games yeah. so i'll give them that credit 100 percent. i definitely see like a lot of people who would leave a creative mode interested in or even like dreams yeah. right like dreams is going to be another one of those windows if you've played or know about dreams on the ps4 that game is essentially make just literally making game developers left right. and right. So I definitely see like a huge portion of the people that play Fortnite, specifically speaking, those who enjoy creative mode from 18 or under, I could see them transitioning into like, oh, this must be like I could get a job doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, there's this is a people will pay me. Yeah, I can see that. It makes a lot of sense because even with us growing up, like I didn't know about it until mm-hmm. I flipped through a magazine, yeah. right? And now Fortnite being so readily available and purposely showing kids or young adults that they can make games for a living uh yeah the conversion must be astronomical compared to when we were starting super excited about that i hope we have a place for them (laughs) because yeah two years down the line is going to be very interesting i think a lot of the things that we talked about in some ways did improve in most ways it didn't Mm -hmm. which is very disappointing and very scary right Mm -hmm. we talked about four years ago i thought I thought shining a light on it, and especially the past year, a lot of light has been shone, mm. shown on, on these bad practices. Yeah. Not really seeing a huge dent. Like, I'm not seeing, like, a big shift, mm. right? And maybe at some point we have Emma back on to kind of give us an update, but yeah. maybe she has a better uh, finger on the pulse mm. about that situation. 
we remain hopeful. Yeah. I mean, what we do see are a lot of opportunities, a lot of people interested in game development. In a, 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 it starts with respect, right? Respecting yeah. the industry, and then hopefully that turns over to like uh, treating everybody better. Well, and that pretty much covers it, man. All right, guys. Happy 200. Thank you for being here. If you've been here for all 200 episodes, oh, my God. Big hug from me and Brandon, seriously. Thank you for the support. Thanks for the time, because that's a lot of time. It's roughly 200 or so hours of, let me listen to what these idiots have to say. <laughs> let, me, let me see what they're talking about. Yeah, and we're here, these two idiots, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. We're streaming it live. If you are connected and watching us somehow, uh, you will find us, basically. Uh, if you missed any of these uh, episodes and want to have an idea of what other things we are doing, go to our YouTube.com forward slash Blue Champs. If you want to support us, go to our Patreon.com forward slash Blue Champs to give us a dollar or two uh, to reach our immediate next goal. And uh, you want to make a direct donation? Give it to us. My personal PayPal account is. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We got to put it down there sometime. Uh, but that pretty much concludes it. Thank you, everyone, for watching. We are basically on every day yeah. of the week. So, see ya. I'm Larry Charles. I'm saying goodnight.